Hey, I found this really cool app called Journey. It's like a digital diary that you always carry with you, right on your phone. Oh yeah, I've heard of it. Seems kind of scary to me having your personal diary on your phone, you know, with issues of data protection and all. Oh well, I just think it's so great to have all my memories stored in one place for all the time. Welcome to Internet Governance Explained. We are Fleur and Lena, and today we want to discuss the topic of platform governance. More precisely, we are going to talk about the platformization of memory. Our expert guest is Dr. Rick Smith, Assistant Professor in Media Studies at the University of Groningen. Welcome, Dr. Smith. Thank you. Thank you. So, right into our first question. Currently, you are working on the topic of the platformization of memory. Can you explain to us what exactly is meant by this? Yeah, sure. And I think, I think it first requires a bit of uh, history or a bit of explanation uh, in terms of history. Um, and that is the idea that technologies are never neutral when it comes to a lot of things, but especially when it comes to memory. And what, what I mean by that is that each technology has its unique imprint on kind of how we remember or use that technology to remember. Um, and then I mean on an individual basis, on a personal level, but also collectively. So, for example, what radio or television uh, has done to, to the way we remember is, is different from what you know, today's happening with social media and, and our smartphones. Um, so, and I look at that process and, you know, part of that is increasingly the role platforms have on the process of remembering uh, individually and collectively. I've, I study both and I, I see, I see them as, um, you know, being part of the same spectrum. So if you remember on a personal level, this is also always already partly socially informed, and the other way around too. If you remember, kind of a in a group, you also bring your own unique experiences to that process of remembering. So it's never, you know, it's never fully individual or never fully collective. It's 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 part of this on the same kind of scale. Now, what I mean by platformization? Platformization I take from studies on the cultural industries. And then, uh, for example, the work of, of Thomas Poole and David Niborg. And they see platformization playing out in a, in a number of different institutions and a number of different practices. So platformization can, be, can mean the platformization of, of music when it comes to Spotify. right? So Spotify is, it has become an immense player in the, in the cultural industry, specifically the music industry, kind of reshaped that uh, that whole industry and you could also say that you know uh, YouTube is a is a platform which has uniquely shaped the way we consume visual media right so there's all sorts of, of different platforms out there and so when I when I say the platformization of memory I look into how different types of platforms ranging from from YouTube but also for example Wikipedia uh, Facebook, and now on a personal level, a platform like, like Apple and its Apple Memories is reshaping the way we engage with our 
our personal pasts. So, so to dive a bit into the theory of platformization, um, Nibor and Poole, uh, the guys who wrote that article on, on platformization of cultural industries, um, they looked at games and they, and they, sh and they say like, well, we increasingly become, our cultural production increasingly becomes contingent upon platforms. What they mean by that is that cultural producers become dependent on these platforms. That's one, one, one sense of the, that word, contingent. So um, if you are becoming dependent on a platform for your cultural production, you need it in order to get to your audiences, for example. Musicians can't work around Spotify anymore or they, they're super powerful and start their own platforms. But that's the point. You need a platform in order to, you know, uh, reach an audience, for example. Um, when I say uh, memory or, or memory practices are becoming contingent upon uh, platforms, I mean that we use platforms to store, to archive, to, to curate, um, our personal past and the mediated memories that come with that. So, um, you know, it could be that you, you upload your, your video material on YouTube. Um, you know, uh, lots of people uh, have put their, their, their kids first baby steps on YouTube, for example, especially in the early days of YouTube. Right now, it's becoming uh, more personalized, but uh, it's definitely something that, that went on. But it also um, it means that you know I as a as an individual smartphone user become a dependent on the platforms that that are on my on my smartphone, right? In order to save my precious photos. Now that's that's one sense of the word contingent. The second one is actually means uh, changeability or malleability. Um, it has to do with that that you know all the all the stuff we put on these platforms are basically data in in the eyes of the platform right and 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 this data can be used for all sorts of purposes it can take all sorts of shapes um you know it can be very useful for like visualizations of your of your moods for example if you use a diary app and a platform to keep your your memories for example Right, but, but it can also be used for for many different uh, other purposes. So that, so that so that's the the second uh, the second uh, sense of the word uh, contingency. Um, so what what I think happens in these platforms is that your memories, your mediated memories, are reconfigured into data, and that data then again is reconfigured into memories with quotation marks because they're not really your memories, but the platform's memories of your memories, basically. So, so it's, it's a kind of another added layer um, in it. So it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a complex uh, appropriation of that, of that term platformization. So is that clear <laughs> or, uh, or do you need a bit more, more words? Yeah, no, I think that is uh, very clear. Thank you. I think you already gave some um, very strong examples and already uh, explained the whole process of how these influences are uh, collecting in individual memory um, making as well. So thank you for that. It's very elaborate. So maybe I would move on to the next question then. Can you elaborate a little bit on which consequences result from this process? Because 
there is there is some um, there are some ethical aspects on this process, and you touched already a little bit upon that. Um, and where do you see exactly the advantages and the risks of growing the platformization of our memory? Yeah, that's a very good question, and and, a, and an important one. Um, so let me first start by answering with uh, uh, answering the question from kind of the collective point of view. So I did research on the on the war on Syria, and basically how activists there, so peace activists, for example, use uh, YouTube as a as a platform for the memory of the war. So um, uh, I, I researched kind of how uh, or what what kind of um, uh, uh, titles and descriptions and, and tags these activists use to, to make their content visible and searchable. Now, and, and then I saw that, you know, I, I thought that, for example, witnesses, activists themselves, their videos would, would be very visible, very searchable. But what I actually found is that their remixed material, so what was actually very popular, and with remixed material, I mean that uh, professional news organizations, they used all that material and they remixed that. They, they made new clips out of it and they put their own kind of voice on top of that kind of original authentic voice of the witness. And that became very searchable. So that's, that's one problematic layer when it comes to uh, that collective memory. But the second one is that um, half a year later, when the research was done, I went back to my research data, which I saved on YouTube, and I saw that about 80% of that material was gone. Why? I researched that again. Uh, YouTube had, had cleaned up its platform by getting rid of all sorts of um, horrific content, because this is horrific content. You see the consequences of chemical weapons attacks, for example, dying children, uh, a lot of blood, uh, violence, all of that. But it disappeared because YouTube wanted to clean up its platform. So in that sense, YouTube became very much like an, an, a George Orwellian uh, memory hole in which, you know, all this material just you know, disappeared because YouTube updated this, its policies and wanted to clean up its archive. So that's very problematic from a, a, from a, a cultural memory perspective or political memory in this case. Now, that's the collective uh, side, of uh, the, the ethical side of, of, of this. On a personal level, yeah, the, the same could actually happen. So these platforms are not uh, accountable, or you cannot, cannot hold them accountable for the loss of, of your of your data. So, I mean, we can't almost imagine it, but uh, Google it, or Facebook or Meta this, these days, I mean, they're companies, so they can they can disappear. They can go bankrupt. They can, you know, um, or change their policies or clean up their archives uh, or databases in their case. So, where does all that material go when they do that? So that so that's that's a big ethical issue, and th and that's where you also get into regulation and uh, and into governance uh, questions as well. So, I mean, if if we now have on average kind of eight thousand photos on a smartphone. Think about what happens in 20 years when we have 50,000 to 100,000 photos on our smartphones or on our clouds, right? 
um, who, who makes sure that these are kept safe? Another dimension of that is, of course, the environmental costs that come with keeping these databases and servers running, all the energy involved. So these, these are all kind of ethical questions that have, that have also political economical, um, economic consequences as well. So I think, I think that, is, that is very important to think about and also from kind of a policy perspective, perhaps. Great, thank you. And you already mentioned the keyword governance and also policy. And I think that's a perfect introduction to our next question, which would be, what role do you think internet or platform governance should play in this process also in the future, maybe? Yeah, I, th I, th I think that's a, a very valid question again. Um, so and what the problem is with these platforms is that is they grow very quickly people become dependent on it and then right and then uh, and you see that in the EU uh, particularly in Germany it seems to to live quite a bit this this question this ethical question also this governance question like how to deal with this but in the US for example you also see uh, for example the the Internet Archive that especially for public causes or political uh, causes it's it's trying to 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 save particular websites uh, particular data sets um, etc but actually I wonder about the future like like how how does this happen in five to ten years how does this happen to ten to twenty years because that's a time scale that we have to think about and I I don't actually know that you know if, if somebody is actually somewhere thinking about this from that uh, from that perspective from that um, uh, governance perspective what to do and where to make selections also when it comes to what I like to call personal big data so so the stuff you create as, as an individual and and what rights do you have we have the right to be forgotten but what about the right to be archived I'm curious about that and I, I would love to hear you know people who who have thought about this and, and also institutions who do work with this because it's also a matter of selection can you keep for of all these 8 billion people in the, in the world can you keep these data cells or these, these data doubles of, on all these different platforms do we have to keep them uh, should we make selections what about the agency of the people who leave all this data right so and, and I don't think we, we fully have answers to these questions yet, to be honest. And we need to formulate the right questions and then we can maybe, you know, work towards some kind of, uh, yeah, critical debate about this. And maybe we need these platforms nowadays in order to, to have that conversation. We need, we need to get on the same, on the same page. The problem is that they're not public institutions. For example, the, the public television or public radio, public broadcasters have a long history and a long tradition of thinking about these things. So I would make a case of, of you know, you know let, let the public institutions be on the, on the same, uh, at the same table. Uh, for example, what, what's happening here in, in the Netherlands is that, you know, the Institute for Sound and Vision in, in Hilversum or the Royal Library, they have these kind of special collections. Um, they they ask these questions, and I and I'm sure that you know these things are also taking place in uh, in institutions in, in 
elsewhere in Europe and elsewhere in the world. But we ha we should have a, a broader public debate about this with with many different organizations at the table. It sounds like there, like there's still a, a lot to be done on that um, aspect for certain. Uh, maybe this podcast can kind of function as a starting point to get um, get the conversation started. Um, thank you very much for that elaborate answer. Maybe to bring it a little bit closer to home, because we talked about how institutions and policy can influence um, the consequences of platformization of memory. But, well, maybe to round off the podcast, do you have any advice on how we as individuals can go best about the platformization of memory and how we can handle our data in in our own memory and saving that online. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm 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 a I'm a huge uh, proponent of, of the view that we we always have agency when it comes to these big platforms that seem to dominate uh, very much many many aspects of our day, everyday lives. Right, so so we do have the agency to push back and to demand. Right, so so I would definitely, you know, uh, be a fan of like some 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 data activism when it comes to that. And there's, I mean, there's plenty of communities out there that 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 are diving into these questions. Uh, for example, yeah, you have specific Reddit communities um, working on like what's the best way to save your personal data on uh, on local hard drives for example and which hard drives are, are longer lasting and all of that but that, these are all kind of smaller solutions to to huge huge issues right they they make like all these kind of societal issues uh the matter for kind of personal personal technologies of personalized technologies so i would i would love to see kind of like like the more the communal um approach to to these things, having communities of memory, linking like personal memories and embedding them within a communal uh, initiatives, for example. Um, so, so I, th I think that I think that would that would be great. And I and I think a, a computer history, you know, has many examples of this. For example, the first computers um, that were there were were kind of publicly used. In San Francisco, for example, in the, in the in the 60s and 70s, you had the communal memory project, in which you had like a computer, uh, in which people could store their precious memories, could talk about them, could link link to them, could you know um, uh, you know make it a social thing instead of this personalized bubble. So I think that that's something that demands a different way of viewing what your personal memories are. But I think there's a there's a lot of uh, of interesting things there to explore. I think we can uh, run it up there. I think we have plenty of um, very interesting information that we can work with. I enjoyed Great. this very much. Thank you. It was very yeah, interesting. Same. Thanks so much. Thank you for asking good questions. This was Internet Governance Explained. Thank you for listening. You can find us on all main podcast platforms. 